Grace and peace and welcome to Cokesbury United Methodist Church here in Woodbridge, Virginia. My name is Taylor Mertens. I serve as the pastor here, and I'm delighted that you've decided to join us for worship today to hear what God has to say to us today about who we are and whose we are. We're in the midst of a sermon series called The Jesus Prayer Book, in which every week we're taking one of the Psalms that shows up in the Gospels, and we're talking about how the Psalms were Jesus's favorite playlist. They were the, the songs that guided his life, shaped who he was, what he did, how he spoke, who he ministered to. And we're looking and thinking about how we have our own playlists. Perhaps the Psalms should be part of our own playlist, but how music at times and lyrics can help inform parts of our own identity. And we're, we're exploring this kind of interesting thing together. I asked last week uh, for people to share in the chat, whether you're on YouTube or, or Facebook watching with us, to share what's been on your playlist recently, what kind of music you've been listening to. Uh, I heard from a few of you, and I, I love getting those answers because I like to discover new music. In my family, on our sort of joint playlist this week, we've been listening to a lot of this one artist. His name is Andrew Bird. And one of the things I love about Andrew Bird is he likes to take a violin, and rather than just playing the traditional way, which he also does, he'll turn it sideways like a guitar, and he'll strum his violin. It makes a very, very unique sound. He also loves to whistle and record over himself, making these incredible harmonies. 
So if you're looking for any kind of different music out there, check out Andrew Bird. I, I, I really love him and my family. We like listening to him as well. But share with me, share with all of us the music that's been on your playlist this week so we can all think about what we're listening to and how that, those playlists help to shape who we are. There are a lot of things going on in the life of our church. We're continuing to, to film Facebook Live videos, send out weekly email devotionals, uh, providing worship online as we are. Uh, you can connect more with our church through our church website or our church Facebook page. There's an online bulletin for our service. The link for accessing it is in, in the video description. All these things will help you uh, stay connected with this church, but also with the Lord. So with that, thinking about Jesus' playlist, the psalm, thinking about how we might learn more about who we are and whose we are, let's be silent for a moment in prayer before God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful, wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of prayer. What an extraordinary thing that we can pray to you that we can unburden ourselves before you, that we can place our cares, our woes, our joys all before you. We confess, however, that we find praying at times to be a rather awkward endeavor. I mean, who are we in the end to pray to you? Do we deserve your listening ears, O Lord? Well, of course we don't. And yet you listen to us and you respond to us anyway. How wonderful and how bewildering. So we pray today a prayer of joy in prayer, asking that we might become your prayers for one another. With that, O oh Lord, each of us will now lift up to you our own joys and our concerns, whether silently or aloud, this day. And as you taught us, Lord, so now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. As I noted at the beginning part of our service, we're doing this sermon series called the Jesus Prayer Book, where we're looking at a psalm that shows up in the Gospels today. The readings are Psalm 81, 1 through 5, and Matthew 21, 14 through 17. So hear now God's holy word. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them, mortals that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. Now from Matthew 21. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he cured them. 
But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the amazing things that he did and heard the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became angry and they said to him, Do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouth of infants and nursing babes you have prepared praise for yourself? He left them, went out of the city to Bethany, and they spent the night there. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Our hymn today is number 393 from the United Methodist Hymnal, Spirit of the Living God. We're going to be singing this two times. If you're unfamiliar with the words, you can find them in our online bulletin. Uh, But the first time, it's going to be Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Me. And the second time through, it will be Spirit of the Living God, Fall Afresh on Us. So the individual and then the corporate. So join me over the drums as I play and sing together with me, Spirit of the Living God. Out of the mouth of babes and infants, you have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy, to silence the avenger. Would you please pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It was a very, very busy Sunday morning. The confirmands were getting confirmed. The choir was trying out a new anthem. The sermon was sitting at a solid B minus. Nevertheless, I stood up. I addressed the people of God, all while constantly referring to our very overstuffed bulletin in hopes that I wouldn't accidentally skip over part of the service. You know, God gathered us together. God spoke God's word to us, and the time had come for us, the people of God, to respond to God. The confirmands were marched forward. They were finally confirmed which meant that they were going to be the first ones in line for communion. They, being the good and holy tweenagers they were, they kept making silly faces at me every time each one of them came forward with their hands outstretched, doing their best to mess me up. I kept my cool, you know, being all holy, up at the front with my long robe and my stole, and I made a mental note to ream them out after the service to start teaching them what it really means to have respect for the Lord. But I kept distributing the bread with the solemnity that is required in such a moment. I I maintained eye contact. 
I nodded appropriately. I gave the right tap on the hand when I could tell someone was feeling some emotions. Until the very end, when the final person came up to receive the body and the blood of our Lord, and it was Owen. Now, I I confess, I was momentarily surprised to see Owen standing before me and below me in the middle of the sanctuary because Owen was three years old. He was a child from the church's preschool, and his family had never been to church before. So seeing this little three-year-old standing before me, I looked around for his mother and his father and his little sister, and I found them frantically rushing around at the back of the sanctuary, looking as if they had lost something. And I realized that the lost something was the thing now standing right below me. So I looked down at Owen, and he said, It's my turn, Pastor Taylor. I want some Jesus, please. And he promptly tilted his head back, opened up his mouth, closed his eyes like a little baby bird waiting for me to drop a piece of Jesus right in. So I did. I then, of course, picked him up and I ran down the center aisle to give him back to his frantic parents who were so thrilled that the lost had now been found. And I sprinted down the center aisle to get us back on track for worship. You know, I... You know, being the big, grown-up, entirely responsible, never childlike adult that I am, I am very good at making myself the center of things. It doesn't matter whether I'm at a, a dinner party. Remember when we used to go to dinner parties? Or I'm standing up in a space like this on Sunday morning. I get really used to things going a certain way. The ritual of it all, the, the comforting domestication of life. So much so that I, even I, occasionally forget to pay attention to the Spirit who insists on defying and upending all of our expectations. You know, God, bewilderingly, likes to drop road signs pointing us in a different direction or smacking us right in the face with a stop sign that halts us dead in our tracks because God's ways, they're not our ways. One day... Jesus was walking with his disciples, teaching them about the kingdom of God. All of them, being the good and faithful disciples they were, they were frantically taking down notes so as to not miss any of the important details, but they were a little distracted. One of them, Peter, perhaps, interjected, Lord, can't something be done about all these kids who keep following us around? Shouldn't we send them to the nursery or children's church, or maybe we could sit them down in front of an episode of Paw Patrol? They're just so distracting. And do you know what Jesus did? He plucked up the nearest kid, he sat her down right in the middle of his disciples, and he said, when you receive one such child, surprise, you receive me also. Another day, Jesus was hanging out with those same disciples, this time in the temple. Upturned tables littered the area, money lenders were grumbling in the corners. Meanwhile, the blind and the lame came to Jesus, he cured them, he made them whole, But then the bigwigs, the movers and the shakers, when they saw the amazing things he did and they heard the children singing out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they became very angry with Jesus. They pulled him aside and they said, do you hear what these kids are singing about you? Jesus replied, well, of course I can hear them singing. Don't you remember what it says in Psalm 81? Oh, You don't remember that one? Let me refresh your memory. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. And then Jesus left them standing there with their jaws on the floor. 
one of my professors from seminary, Stanley Harrell, was, is he's famous for saying, beware when you hear a Methodist minister quote his or her 12-year-old in a sermon. When that happens, you know you're fixing to hear some baloney. Though when he says it, he uses a much saltier expression than baloney. That he says that so often is indicative of his desire for sermons to be about God rather than about us. Because for someone like me to stand in a place like this, regaling people like you with stories of, you know, kids say the darndest things, it's, it's worth wondering what that at all has to do with the gospel. You know, we aren't here to hear stories that make us chuckle about the whimsy of youth. We are here to hear a word from the Lord, from God Almighty. And yet, Jesus today wonderfully reminds us that the, the child sitting in the middle of the crowd, the, the kid who sneaks away from his parents in the middle of a service, the, the children singing in the courtyard of the temple, they are there to distract us from our big, serious, but utterly self-centered adult religion. All that, also that another kid, perhaps a baby, might actually get our attention about what's really important. Now, How odd of God to choose a baby born to an unwed virgin to change the cosmos. How odd of God to choose that baby turned adult to speak a greater truth than we could possibly bear. How odd of God to choose children singing songs by the temple to shake up the religious sensibilities of those in charge both then and now. I think it's rather notable that Karl Barth, the great theologian of the 20th century, when he was asked to summarize the extent of his theology, he responded by singing, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Shortly before Jesus' wild temple tantrum, he settled a dispute between his disciples by telling them, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So, should there be any children paying extra special and close attention to the sermon today, the next time you hear an adult tell you to act your age, you have pastoral permission to respond by saying, well, actually, Jesus says that unless you start acting like a child, you'll never enter the kingdom. A childlike faith. Of course, it's not just about having a childlike faith. We're not called to be naive about the world. But at least according to this moment from Matthew, when Jesus spins a verse from his favorite playlist, the Psalms, it has less to do with being small or unintelligent and more to do with the fact that even babies and children can proclaim the goodness of God. Consider, just for a moment, what it is the children were singing that day in the temple. Hosanna to the Son of David. Literally, save us, Son of David. The adults, the chief priests, the elders, they are all angry because they can't stand the thought of Jesus being God being the promised one, being the Messiah. They can't stand to, to hear children confessing a truth that runs counter to everything they think they know. Now, perhaps they're furious because they can't imagine a world in which someone like Jesus, a poor, wandering rabbi with a ragtag group of would-be disciples, that he could actually be the one to bring about the salvation of all things. But the kids... The kids that day, they, they see something more than the adults do. They, they hope for something more than the adults could wrap their heads around. Because in Jesus, they see God. In Jesus, they see salvation. 
They witness the abundant mercy of the Messiah who stoops to heal the sick and the blind and the lame. They encounter the power of the anointed one who rids the temple of its economic disparity for a reality in which all are welcome to worship no matter the size of their wallet. They experience the King of Kings who in the end rules from the hard wood of the cross and uses some of his final earthly breaths to declare of all things forgiveness. Sometimes, in fact, most of the time, kids get it better than we do. It all began, the father starts his story, a few Christmases ago when my four-year-old daughter began asking questions about what the holiday really meant. So I began explaining to her that Christmas is about celebrating the birth of Jesus. And she wanted to know more about this Jesus guy, so I went out, I bought a children's Bible, and we would read together at night. She loved it. She loved it so much, she wanted to know everything about Jesus. And so we read together, we read a lot about his birth and his teachings, and she would constantly ask about this one particular phrase, and I would explain that it was, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And we would talk about what those old words meant and and what Jesus was trying to do. One day, we were driving past a big church in our community, and on the front lawn was this giant crucifix, and she looked out the window and said, Dad, um, who's that? And I realized that I had never told her that part of the story, so I I had to sort of fill the rest in. I told her that Jesus had run afoul of the Roman government, that his message was so radical, so unnerving to the authorities at the time, that they came to the the conclusion that he would have to die. About a month later, her preschool had the day off for Martin Luther King Jr. Day, and I took off the day from work, and I took my daughter out to lunch. We were sitting, and right there on the table was the local newspaper with a giant picture of Dr. King on the front. And she said, Dad, who's that? I said, that's Martin Luther King Jr. He's the reason you're not in school today. This is the day we celebrate his life. She said, well, Dad, who is he? I said, he was a preacher. She looks up at me and she says, for Jesus? And I said, yeah, yeah, he was. But there was, there was another thing that he was famous for. He, he had a message. He said that you should treat everybody the same, no matter what they look like. And she thought about that for a moment. And then she said, well, Dad, that's, that's what Jesus said. I said, well, yeah, I, I guess you're right. I never really thought about it. But it is a lot like do unto others as you would have them do unto you. My daughter looked down at the table for a long time before she finally said, Dad, did they kill him too? Sometimes kids get it better than we do. O Lord, our sovereign, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and infants. You have founded a bulwark because of your foes to silence the enemy and the avenger. So I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you govern all things both in heaven and on earth. Mercifully hear the supplications of your people, and in our time grant us your peace. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. God has gathered us together. God has proclaimed God's word to us. And now we respond to God with ourselves, our time, our efforts, our prayers, but also with our gifts, our tithes, 
and our offerings. I encourage you to give with glad and generous hearts to God through the ministries of Cokesbury United Methodist Church. You may give online. The link for doing so can be found in the video description. You may give by sending a check through the mail to the church, or if you live locally, you can bring your offering by. We have a drop slot by our main office doors. But give. Give with glad and generous hearts that we might continue to be a church that embraces the surprise of children, of infants, of babies, and the ways that they too can proclaim the goodness of God. Another way we like to respond to what God has said is by affirming our faith using the Apostles' Creed. So please join me now as we affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Now I'd like to offer you this blessing and benediction. May the God of grace and glory, God of the beginning and the end, the God of life and of death and of resurrection, help you to see, know, believe, and hear that even children, kids and babies, can proclaim the goodness of God, that God is for us. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. I look forward to gathering with you again next week, same time, same place, to hear more of Jesus' favorite playlist, to, to hear what his favorite tunes are, so that we can tune in to who God is calling us to be. So go in peace, be well. Amen, amen, amen. loves me this I know for the Bible tells me so little ones to him belong and they are weak but he is strong yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me yes Jesus loves me the Bible tells me so but Jesus loves me this I know to me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. The Bible tells me so. Jesus loves me still today, walking with me on my way, wanting as a friend to give light and love to all who live.